Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I concluded on Sunday night my series on revival praying. Not that everything that could be said was said, but we've um, closed that up, finished that up for now. And I want to turn our attention back to a text that we looked at uh, several months ago here in Acts chapter 3. And uh, let's begin reading. Let's start in verse 18. Acts chapter 3, 18. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his holy prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We pointed out in earlier sessions that some translations there, where it says times of refreshing, say seasons of revival. And that's really what it's talking about. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times or seasons of revival may come from the presence of the Lord. Notice that times of of revival or seasons of revival that come from the presence of the Lord come as a result of people doing something. Isn't that right? Repent, therefore, and be converted so that times of refreshing, refreshing or seasons of revival may come from the presence of the Lord. We pointed out that there are seasons of revival. That means that there are times that are ordained of God, special times, special seasons, where God uh, chooses to move in, in reviving the church. Now, that doesn't mean that any one person cannot be revived at any time or that there are certain times where the blessing of God and having access to his fullness uh, is, uh, there, there are times that's available and then there are times that's not available. That's not what that means. We pointed out that God sends revival to the church during times of spiritual decline. He, he sends revival to the church to turn the tide uh, after a time of backsliding. And uh, what, was, what was one of the definitions of, of revival? Let me look real quick. Maybe somebody, Leah, do you remember what that definition was that, that you gave? I'm trying, do you remember it? I'm trying to find it here in, a, in an earlier note. I'll find it here in just a second. <clears throat> Yeah, one definition of the word revival is the growth of something or an increase in the activity of something after a long period of no growth or activity. One synonym is resuscitate, to bring back to a conscious or active state. 
So God sends uh, times and seasons of revival to resuscitate, to bring the church back to a previous state of spirituality, of active uh, 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 growth and vibrancy. And we know this, that revival has to come from time to time because people always backslide. That doesn't mean that you have to always backslide. Doesn't mean that any, un, any one individual necessarily always backslides. But collectively, the body of Christ, just like Israel in the Old Testament, uh, went through times of backsliding. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's plan. It wasn't because they had to, but because they stopped walking uh, according to the word and according to the precepts, they, they grew... Uh, lazy and, and became indifferent and began to compromise with the people around them and they drifted away from the Lord. They backslid and then God would raise up prophets and, and there would be a revival. Well, we've seen that in church history during, in the body of Christ, uh, the same cycles take place. Again, people don't have to backslide, but they do. And, excuse me, and so when that happens, God sends revival. But revival doesn't just come automatically because the season is there. Revival doesn't just happen because it's time. Revival happens because it's time and then he lays it upon people's hearts to pray for revival. And when people start praying for revival, then God begins to move in people's lives in ways that he otherwise would not be able to because nobody's asking. But when we begin to ask, when we begin to call on God, when we begin to seek him, then he begins to respond and he starts stirring people uh, who have drifted perhaps into indifference and they're just not on fire like they used to be. He starts stirring a hunger up in them again. And when that happens, the, one of the first things that you see in revival is that people begin to repent. They begin to say, you know, Lord, I, I, I've missed it. I've, I'm not fully where I ought to be. And I also said this, that there's, there's, a, there's place and need for repentance in everybody's life. That was kind of weak, but it's true anyway. I said in everybody's life, there's, there's room for repentance and room for change. Unless, of course, you, you're, you're one of those that if you lined your life up and laid your life up, against every verse of scripture, every exhortation, every encouragement, every word in the Bible, and your life perfectly lined up, then you would need to repent. You would be ahead of me, I would, I would add, uh, because I don't always line up in every, in every degree, in every measure. So what I'm saying there is there's room for growth, there's room for change, and there's room for repentance. And so you don't have to be in what we call a, you know, the classical backslidden condition, not going to church and, you know, going back to the bars and, you know, doing things you used to do. You know, we say, well, that person's just backslidden. You don't have to be in that condition uh, to realize that maybe some things have slipped and you need to lay hold again. Amen. So we talked about these seasons of revival. And thank God we're in a season of revival right now. And revival is happening in this church. Revival is taking place in churches around uh, the nation. Uh, as a pastor, you know, I have 
uh, friends and contacts, you know, in the ministry all over the nation and even in places, you know, different places around the world. And uh, in, in fellowshipping and communicating this, this uh, uh, sense of revival and, and the word revival and talking about revival, there's an expectation of revival and it's happening. Thank God. It, it needs to grow. And so we're praying for that. Amen. And so we encourage you to come out, you know, on Monday nights because that's particularly what we're praying about. We're praying about revival. Amen. And, uh, well, let me stay on track here. I started to, to go a different direction. Let me stay on the track here. But uh, It says that, that times of, of revival, seasons of revival may come from the presence of the Lord. That's where they come from. Amen. They come from the presence of the Lord. When revival is taking place, the presence of the Lord is there. Amen. The presence of the Lord is in manifestation when revival's going on. Amen. <clears throat> Let's continue reading. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. So this is talking about him sending Jesus, that he may send Jesus Christ. That's talking about his return, sending him back. Do you understand that? So you see that seasons of revival come from the presence of the Lord and it's in connection with the, with the return of the Lord. So then we're talking about revivals that uh, what he's talking about here that there would be times of revival that would precede the returning of the Lord when he would send Jesus back. So we're talking about end time revivals, aren't we? And then he goes on to say, whom heaven must receive. Well, heaven received Christ when he ascended. After he was raised from the dead, uh, and then 40 days later, he ascended into heaven. That's what that's talking about. Whom heaven must receive until, now no, this is what I want to talk about today. Until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth, of all his holy prophets since the world began. Notice that in connection with seasons of revival, there are times of restoration, seasons of restoration. Times of revival, times of refreshing, times of restoration. And it says heaven must receive, talking about Christ, until the times of restoration. So this is telling me that times of restoration precede and are associated with the return of the Lord. Can you see that? Whom heaven must receive until. So Jesus stays in heaven and he is not sent back, as it refers to in verse 20, until times of refreshing and times of restoration. So there are not only times of revival, but there are times of restoration. We should not only expect times of revival, but in association with times of revival, there are, there, we should expect times of restoration. Well, restoration of what? Notice what he goes on to say. Times, heaven must receive Christ, he must stay in heaven, until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets 
since the world began. Well, that's a mouthful. Theologically and biblically, that's, that covers a lot. I want you to point out, to, or to notice, I want to point out to you so you'll notice this, that it's the time of restoration. What does the word restore mean? Restore means to bring back to a former condition, doesn't it? To bring back to a former condition, to, uh, to bring back to a previous state. Well, this actually has to do, this verse of scripture is very uh, far-reaching. And it, and it includes a lot of things. This scripture actually takes us all the way up through the millennial reign of Christ. When Jesus returns in power and glory after a period of tribute, we know that the Lord will, will come back and appear to us in the air and the church will be changed and will be called up to meet the Lord in the air. We know that after the church is, and the word there is raptured, after the word church is raptured, there will come a time of great tribulation here in the earth. And that at the end of that tribulation period, Jesus will return with the saints in power and glory. He will return to uh, finalize judgment, to put down all rebellion and, and assume the, the rightful place as king of the entire earth and he will rule and reign over the earth for a thousand years and the Bible says that during that time everything will be restored to its former condition it says the lion will lay down with the lamb isn't that right? little children will play upon the, uh, upon the uh, play at the, at the snake's uh, den and Adler's den. Nothing will harm. Nothing will will uh, will kill. There will be nothing like that. If you remember, before sin came into the world, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no shedding of blood. I said there was no shedding of blood on the earth. Animals didn't eat one another. Are you out there? Animals did not eat this savagery. <clears throat> that has characterized the entire earth since the fall of man was not part of the original creation. Animals didn't eat one another. People didn't kill. Blood was not shed. And if you'll go, turn with me over there and take a look at, at uh, the reference I'm, I'm referring to. It's in Isaiah. Uh, I, let me get to it real quick. Find it. It's Isaiah 11. Um, yeah. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 11, 6. The wolf. If you found Isaiah, it's, it's fairly easy to find. It's a big book. <laughs> Isaiah 11, 6. The wolf also will dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lay down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the, like the ox. The nursing child shall play, on the, shall play on the cobra's hole. 
By the winged and the winged child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Whoo, glory. That's gonna happen. So the, so the time of restoration of all things that have been spoken by all the holy prophets since the world began, all of that will be restored. In other words, the full measure of God's plan for mankind. Now we know after the millennial reign, we know there will be a short period of time where the devil will be released again and, and uh, go back and, you know, out in, in the world and, and deceive. And then he will be locked into the lake of fire and there will be the great white throne judgment. And then the Bible says there will be a new heavens and a new earth. We don't have a lot of information about the new heaven and new earth. We have a little bit of, of, of description of it, but we know it'll be a, uh, uh, we know that uh, the people of God will reign during that time, be a part of that. We'll, we'll all have a part of it, but it'll be a new heaven, a new earth. That's not a restoration, that's new. What this passage in, let's go back to uh, Acts again, what this is talking about is a restoration, a bringing back to its former state. And so that will culminate during the time of the millennial reign of Christ. Everything in this current earth, not the new earth, but the current earth, will be brought back to its former state. Does everybody see that? But now I want you to notice that verse 21 says, Whom heaven must receive, and it does not say until the time of restoration. It says the times of restoration. The times, that's plural. It's not talking about one period of time. It's talking about different, several times of restoration. Can you see that? Just like there are times of revival, seasons of revival. We've had seasons of revival in the church in the past and we're, we're in, we've entered into the, another season of revival and it's associated with the return of the Lord but also in association with the, with the return of the Lord are times of restoration and we know that ultimately uh, that restoration will include the millennial reign of Christ where everything in the earth will be brought back to its original state but what about the church? See, there's a time of restoration for the church. I said there's a time of restoration for the church. I think most of us would agree that the church is, in spite of the global reach of the church, I'm talking about collectively, the body of Christ, in spite of our global reach, in spite of uh, the millions of people who've come to Christ in recent years uh, and, and there are tremendous revivals happening all over the world right now and they've been going on. But in, I think most of us would, would say this is true that in spite of all the good in the church the church is still not like it was in the very first days. 
that first generation, before all of the good had been accomplished, as far as God's purity and plan and full uh, 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 provision for the church, the early church possessed a, a vibrancy and a conformity and a fullness Conformity to Christ and a fullness of Christ to a degree that is not present today. I think most people would agree with that. And so there must come before Jesus returns, if, if the, if the uh, type plays out, and there will be times of restoration of all things which all the holy prophets have spoken since the world began, that there would have, that would have to include the, the things spoken about the church. Amen. Well, the church, uh, once, once the rapture takes place, the work of the church in the, in the, in the earth is over. So whatever restoration there's going to be in the church has to take place before Jesus returns. And there must be a restoration of all things concerning the church that have ever been spoken by all the holy prophets since the world began. Ooh, glory. That means there has to be a restoration. And I want to focus on three things, though I don't, I don't profess this would, this would be, you know, the only three things. But three things that I think uh, are important, and I believe must come is there must be a, res, a restoration of the power of Christ. There must be, a, there must be a, a returning to the former state in the church, a return to the full demonstration of the power of Christ. Secondly, I believe there must come a restoration of the authority of Christ. Those are two different things, by the way. Two different things. There must come before Jesus returns, there must be a restoration in the church, a returning in the church to the full authority of Christ. Amen. Pastor Greg read the scripture this morning. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, uh, they're, they're, that, that's talking about a level of authority that uh, needs to be restored. And it's not so much that it's something that God's holding back from us. It's restored to us as we grow and reach for it and, and make it ours and start cooperating with it. That's how it's restored. Amen. And then thirdly, there must be a restoration of the character of Christ. So we're going to focus on three things. There, there's a coming restoration of the power of Christ, the authority of Christ, and the character of Christ. Amen. Well, let's talk about the, the restoration of the character of Christ first for, before we go any further. Uh, go with me to Ephesians and let's look at the fifth chapter of Ephesians.
to save a little time, we'll pick up in the middle of a, of a uh, passage uh, so that we can get quicker to what we want to talk about. In verse 25, Ephesians 5, 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And I'm going to say this one time. In the original Greek, it is not the feminine uh, use of this pronoun. It's, it's the word it. The translators in not just this translation, but many modern translations translate church as her. And that's, but that's a theological uh, that's a theological point, theological determination. It's not in the original. And I just don't think people's theological bias ought to enter into translations. But just to keep from being awkward, I'm just going to say that one time and then I'm going to go on, okay? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Jesus is returning for a church that is holy and without blemish, without spot without wrinkle or any such thing. In other words, a pure church. I said Jesus is returning for a pure church. That's what Jesus wants to find when he comes back to catch the church out of here. He wants to find a pure church, a holy church, a church without spot and without blemish. Well, how's that gonna happen? If you look around, you don't have to be real personal about it. You just, in general, you can look around and you can see that, that there are a lot of things in the church that are blemishes. There are a lot of things going on in the church world that would be considered spots, unholy. Well, Jesus, has he's working on that. I said, he's working on that. He's not just leaving us on our own. I said he's not just leaving us on our own so that we can be condemned before him when we appear before him. So that he's not just leaving us in any kind of condition so that we will be ashamed of him at his coming. He is working. How's he working? It says that he might present it to himself a glorious church. How's he doing that? Verse 20, that he verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That's how he's doing it. That's part of the revival. I said that's part of the revival. This is part of the revival. It's, it's, a, it's a restoration. It's reviving the church to come back to a place and a restoration of the character of Christ in the church. He is sanctifying and cleansing it. How? By the washing of water. We know that the Holy Spirit is typified uh, by water all throughout the Bible. That Bible typifies the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Spirit. Remember that? So a water is a type all in the Old Testament and on the New Testament. And in the New Testament, they poured, they poured uh, 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 anointing oil. That's also a type of the Spirit. But they also poured water. A water is a type of the Spirit. And he said he will sanctify and cleanse the church by the washing of water so the, so the Holy Spirit actually washes. I said the Holy Spirit actually washes. The more full of the Spirit you become, the cleaner you'll become. Now I understand, I understand positional truth. I understand that when you were born again, you were made a new creature in Christ and in that new creation, you are perfect. You were created in Christ. Like it says here in, 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 uh, in uh, Ephesians, you were created in righteousness and true holiness. But you have to understand there, there, there are two kinds of truth. There's positional truth and there's experiential truth or practical truth. And really, if you study the book of Ephesians, it's a perfect example. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, by and large, a little bit into 4, but chapters 1, 2, and 3 are very powerful presentations of positional truth. I mean, you read the first three chapters of, of, of Ephesians, it's all about what's been done for us, that we've been raised up, that we've been seated with him. It talks all about the mystery of Christ, and, and it's, it's a, a wonderful, powerful uh, declaration of our position in Christ. But then over in chapter 4, verses chapter 4, 5, and 6, it starts talking about our conduct. Not, not what's been done for us, but what we do in response so there is a response to positional truth and that's practical truth and, and we are all a work in progress. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in progress. Say it like you mean it now, really. <laughs> but, but my point is that part of this is the washing of the, of the water. When the Holy Spirit is poured out when the Holy Spirit is ministering and flowing and, and the body of Christ begins to really get saturated with the Holy Spirit, it's funny how without having to tell people, don't do this and don't do that, the more full of the Spirit people get, the cleaner they start living. Amen, amen, that's the truth. I mean, the more of God you get in you, the more of the real, the work of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to tell somebody, now you need to stop doing this, you need to stop going here, you need to stop going there. They just do it. Amen. Amen. That's why our church has never been a big one of preaching a clothesline uh, doctrine. Or, or You know what I mean by that? Telling people how they're supposed to dress and how they're supposed to look and where they're supposed to go. We don't do that. There, we, I preach the truth. Don't misunderstand me. But I have great patience for people who are, are uh, determined to do right, even if they're not doing right at the time. I mean, I don't mind it when people come to our church and, and you know, maybe it's a man and a woman, they come to church and this happens a lot these days. They're not even married. I find out they're living together. Well, I don't stop them at the door and say, well, you can't come in here. You know, you're living in adultery. No, let them come and let them hear. And I've seen God work in their life and I've seen them make decisions. You know what? I need to clean myself up. We need to straighten things out. 
Now, someone who just wants to come to church and live in their sin and flaunt their sin and say, you know, I go to church and God's happy with me and I'm happy with him and it's no big deal. Well, now that's wrong. That's a wrong spirit. But when people start, you get people full of the Holy Ghost and they'll make their own changes. Had a young woman come to me one time a few years ago and she said, Pastor, can I tell you, she was a young woman in her early 20s, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. She said, I think I need to, I think I need to quit my job and, I, and get a new job. I said, is that right? Why do you think that? She said, well, I'm a stripper. I, I had no idea. I said, yeah, I think that's probably the Holy Ghost leading you. See, she's stripping on Saturday night and then coming to church on Sunday morning and get more and more of God in her life until eventually she said, you know, I, I, can't, I can't continue to do what I do on Saturday night. I've got more of God in me now and, I, and it's outweighing the other things and something's gonna have to give and the stripping's gonna give. Amen. Huh? <laughs> You say that. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's a washing of the water of the Holy Ghost. Listen, don't be afraid when the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you about things. When he starts drawing you closer to the Lord. When he starts shining a light on things in your life that don't quite measure. Doesn't have to be something extreme like this. But something that doesn't measure up. In your life. Don't be afraid of that. He's, he's, he's getting you ready for the return of the Lord. I said he's getting you ready for the return of the Lord. So that you won't be ashamed of him. At his, uh, he won't be ashamed of you. And you won't be ashamed in his presence at his coming. Amen. He's getting you ready. And you, you, would, you would just automatically acknowledge that if the Lord's returning, he's, he's going to try to get us ready. He's not just going to come and, 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 and just, you know, knock us in the head and, and, and come to rebuke us. He, he's, he's, he's sanctifying the church, cleansing the church with the washing of the water and then notice what it says, the washing of the water by the word. The washing of the water by the word. The more the Holy Spirit, the strong, let me say it like this, the stronger the Holy Spirit in your life, the more he'll point you to the word. The more real the word of God will become. The more it'll control your life. The more precious, the more valuable, the, the more uh, uh, concerned you will be, the more determined, I should say, you will be to live according to the word of God. There's a reason why in the last you know, 30, 40 years, there's been a, a strong movement called the word movement. Why was that? It was to get people accustomed to putting the word first. Not tradition, not what grandma said, not what somebody else said, but what does the word say? What does the Bible say? He was getting us ready for putting the word first and then the spirit comes and begins to wash us by the word. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah.
There's a, res- a, a, a restoration of the character of Christ. Praise God. Well, we'll stop here. We've said enough for today. We'll go on and uh, next time talk about it more. Thank God, thank God, there is a restoration coming. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God, a restoration. It's underway, praise God. The revival is creating and, and, and will bring about the restoration that needs to come of all that has been spoken. Of all that has been declared about the church. The glorious church. One scripture I quoted this morning uh, a little while ago in Ephesians 1 where it talks about uh, Christ was made the head over everything for the church and it says which is his body which the church is his body the church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the fullness of Christ. Did you know Christ is not complete without the church? Christ, in the plan of God, decided to take all believers and baptize all those who would believe in him, all people who would be born again by the Spirit. Part of the process of of new birth is to recreate, but also to join them or baptize them into Christ's body. And so, he's the head, we're the body. The head and the body can't live without each other. Isn't that right? I said the head and the body can't live without each other. The head and the body can't function apart from one another. Your head can't function without your body. And your body can't function without your head. Well, in in the spiritual body of Christ, Christ, who when he was here in his earthly ministry, he was one man, Jesus the Christ. But when he was raised from the dead and sat down at the Father's right hand in the plan of God, the marvelous, this is part of the mystery that's described in the third chapter of, of Ephesians. But part of the mystery was that God would take Christ himself and join all believers and make all of us one with him, united perfectly with him, we become his body. And so because of that, we become the fullness of Christ. Ooh, glory. A glorious church. The fullness of Christ. Well, uh, we can see that so wonderfully in those first chapters of the book of Acts when, when they were filled with the Spirit and there was such unity and such power and such demonstration that if anyone even attempted to uh, try to introduce anything into the, into the family that was impure and unclean. Remember what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? You couldn't, you, it says that great fear came upon everybody because of the, of the awesomeness of the reality and the presence of God. Well, there's coming a restoration of that. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. There's coming a restoration of that. All of that glory, all of that holiness. Amen. You think, well, I don't know how I can participate in that. You know, I'm not, I don't think I'm there. You just keep, you just keep drinking at the well. You just keep tugging away. You just keep drinking deeply of the Spirit.
You don't worry about it. You just keep drinking, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. There's change going on. I said, there's change going on. There's a change going on in all of us. Amen. Stay hungry for more. Praise God. Stay hungry. Let the Holy Ghost take the Word of God and just change you and change you. Oh, you, it'll just get better and better and better. Amen. The further we go in God, the more fulfilled, the more uh, uh, peaceful, the more blessed we, we become. When the Spirit of God leads you to lay aside things that just seem to be so important to you, I just can't, I just can't let that go. Once you get past that, you go, oh my goodness, this is so much better. What in the world did I ever see in that? Hallelujah. It's like that old girlfriend. You know, what in the world did I ever see? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But better than that, though. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We honor you. We humble ourselves before you, Father. We seek you. Glory to God. Thank you for sanctifying and cleansing the church, Lord Jesus. Through the washing of the water of the word. That you might present us to yourself. Spotless. A glorious church. Without spot, without blemish, or without any such contamination. Oh, that we might be holy. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Father, it, it, it's, it's a peaceful thing. The prospect is not threatening. It's, it doesn't discourage us or make us fearful. It brings great peace in our hearts as we contemplate you drawing us by your Spirit more and more into harmony with the character of Christ. Oh, Father, we pray for the restoration of the character of Christ in the church. Hallelujah. And we, we begin by declaring, we are ready. We are willing. We are submitted, Father. Do in us what you need to do. Work in us how you want to work. Have your way in us, Lord. Father, that, that we might be ready at the Lord's return, that we might go out with joy to meet him, not being ashamed, but go out in full assurance of faith. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Father. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.